tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 11th episode of the History Goes Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. And we are featuring the 1886 Crescent Hotel and Spa on today's show. But before we get into that, we want to make sure you check out our website at historygoesbump.com. Everything you'd ever want to know about the show is up there from the different places where you can find the show. As a matter of fact, Denise, I was overlooking at TuneIn today. I haven't checked that out because, uh, I don't know, it's just an app that I don't use. And I found out we have 35 followers over there. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Also, you can check out our Emporium at the uh, website as well. We've got lots of great logo stuff up there, spectacular crew logo wear, and also there are mugs, and not everything is logo wear. We do have some other material up there as well. For example, Keep Calm and Kill Zombies. That's one of the uh, items we have up there on mugs and shirts and that kind of thing. Anything you buy at the Emporium, we do get a kickback, so it helps to support the show. It's not a lot, but we do get a little bit. And right now, today... It ends on the 21st of November, 2014. If you buy $50 worth of stuff there, you get 10 bucks off. And Hey, uh, hey, hey, hey. I want to get my shirt today. Oh, I, I know. I need to order our stuff this evening, so I'll make sure to get on that. Also, I believe it's November 27th to December 2nd. Anything you order there gets free shipping. So make sure if you can't do something right now, you want to order something later, that'd be a good time want to pick some stuff up for Christmas, you can get free shipping on that. So anytime they run a special deal over at our Emporium, there will be a banner at the top. So anytime you go to the Emporium and want to know what the deal is, it'll be right up there at the top for you. Also, you can sign up for the newsletter at the website. We'd love to have you do that. We send out one every time we have a show. So you could get six, seven, eight of them in a month. Don't worry, there's not a whole lot to read in there. So we're not going to be filling up your email inbox with a ton of junk, but it's a great way to find out anything that we've got going on on the calendar with events, stories, things of that nature. That's a great place to uh, check that out. Plus, it also has everywhere that you can find the show. And we are pretty much everywhere. Uh, We're up at Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you name it, Pinterest, we're everywhere. And we'd love to have your help in sharing our stuff on all of your different social networks as well. If you'd like to help out the show with a donation, you can do that at the website. Also, I told you, it's got everything there. Just go on the Spooktacular Crew tab, and it's got all the information there. If you'd like to uh, send us a little something to help keep the show on the air and uh, you know pay our overhead and expenses, because we offer it free to you guys, but it's not free for us to do everything. So uh, we'd love to have your help. If you have a little extra to kick over to us, we'd be very thankful for that. want to thank Daria for her support of the show. 
always out there tweeting stuff. Daria, Daria. Woo-hoo. Those are the crowds going crazy in the background. It's a crowd of me and Rafiki, but hey, that's all I've got. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for all of the sharing that you do. She tweets our stuff like crazy. We greatly appreciate it. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to see about uh, grabbing the right stream interview that we did with Daria and putting that up on our feed as well. So you have that little extra something this uh, this November. With um, the events and everything that are located on our newsletter. So don't forget that tomorrow on November 22nd, 2014, is the deadline to let me know and let Diane know if you're going to be joining us in St. Augustine for our meetup on December 6th at 8 p.m. We are going to St. Augustine, Florida to do a ghost tour up there. And we would love to have whoever wants to join us for our first meetup. And then afterwards, we'll be going out for desserts just to talk about our experiences and what we thought and just to have fun and and just spend some time together. Before we get into talking about the Crescent Hotel, we thought we'd have a little bit of fun with all of you who are part of our Spooktacular crew. And we thought this was fitting because it's called the Ultimate Spooktacular Trivia Quiz by Sherry Sprague. Now, we know a lot of you listen to this while you're driving or doing something else. So you might have to save this for later where you can get a little pen and piece of paper. 15 questions. So write down your answers and we'll give you the answers later. So number one, the film's tagline, quote, when it flies, someone dies, end quote. Name the film and the year. Number two, what kind of charity boxes did children in the 1950s carry on Halloween to collect donations? Number three, finish the title of this comic series. Chilling Adventures and Sorcery as Told by... Number four. Name the television cartoon where Sally screams at Linus, You owe me restitution! Number five. Which group released the song, quote-unquote, Spooky and when? Number six. In House on Haunted Hill, 1959, so this is the original, the good one, five people are offered $10,000 to do what? Number seven, actress Shirley MacLaine claims that what U.S. president met three times with extraterrestrials at a New Mexico airbase? Number eight, who starred in the original Cape Fear movie? Number nine, what is Poveglia Island known for? Number 10, who was Spooky the cat? Number 11, how did Elliot lure E.T. from the shed to the house? That makes me hungry, hint, hint. One of my favorites, double hint. (laughs) Number 12, the ability to move or levitate objects with only the power of the mind is an example of what? Number 13, in what decade were children most likely to choose spaceman, robot, and alien costumes? 14, in Kaltiki, the immortal monster, what form does the monster take? Number 15, what's a lycanthrope? That is spelled L-Y-C-A-N-T-H-R-O-P-E. And so at the end of the show, right before we close it, we will give you the answers. Welcome to this moment in oddity history. In the 1930s, a talking mongoose became an international sensation. The story began on the Isle of Man in a little village of Dalby. Dorlish Cashin was the name of the farmhouse located there. James and Margaret Irving lived there and their daughter Vore. Between the walls of the farmhouse was a gap. 
The family first saw a weasel-like creature in the farmyard. The mongoose moved into the house and took up residence in the walls. Shortly thereafter, the animal began to talk, starting with repeating animal noises and then nursery rhymes and finally conversing with the Irvings. People who heard the mongoose claimed that he spoke with a high-pitched, squeaky voice. The mongoose claimed to be an extra, extra clever mongoose. Or maybe that should be extra, extra clever mongoose. James Irving claimed that the mongoose asked to be called Jeff and that it could shapeshift. Jeff became violent over time, threatening to hurt the daughter, leaving the family to lock themselves in a room together at night. Sometimes Jeff would be nice, leaving the family dead rabbits as gifts. I don't know about you all, but I don't know if that would be a great gift for me to get. And accepting their gifts of bananas and sausages, and other times he would throw stones and curse at the family. Hairs that Irving sent as samples to a zoo came up as dog hairs, and the Irvings did indeed own a dog. Pictures that Margaret Irving managed to take of Jeff do seem to show an animal similar to a cat, only smaller with a long tail. People came to believe that Jeff was a hoax, but Voray was interviewed 40 years later and she claimed that Jeff was detrimental in her life and very real. People had claimed that she had thrown her voice and pretended to be Jeff, but Voray said she was not that talented. One investigator said that he had heard Jeff when Voray was not in the house and the Irvings were in full view. Friends of the Irvings claimed to hear Jeff, and Jeff apparently hitched rides on the local bus where he ate stolen sandwiches and harassed people. So, was Jeff the talking mongoose a hoax? Was he a shared delusion, or was he a spirit of some sort? Or was the whole thing the real deal? Whatever the truth may be, whether fact or fiction, the whole affair is quite odd. This History Podcast is haunted. This day in history. On this date, November 21st, in 165 BC, Judah Maccabee orders that the Jewish temple be cleansed. Judah was the third son of Mattathias, a Jewish priest. Antiochus IV Epiphanes was the ruler at that time, and he had forbidden any Jewish customs to be practiced. Mattathias gathered his sons together and they started a revolt against Antiochus in 167 BC. Mattathias died a year later and Judah took over the mantle of leadership and took on the surname of Maccabee, meaning sledgehammer in Aramaic. He was ferocious in battle and led his men in guerrilla tactics, knowing that they were no match for Antiochus' military force in face-to-face confrontations. Judah died in 160 BC, but the fighting continued under his other two brothers, and independence for the Jewish people was attained several years later. Judah's cleansing of the Jewish temple by removing the Hellenistic statues and restoring Jewish worship is celebrated to this day during the holiday we all know as Hanukkah. You're listening to History Goes Bump! Eureka Springs, Arkansas is home to more than 100 Victorian restaurants, galleries, and shops. Near the downtown area are Victorian cottages and the Crescent Hotel and Spa, opened in 1886 and located at 75 Prospect Avenue. The Crescent has been recognized by the National Trust for Historic Preservation as one of America's dozen distinctive destinations. The hotel has endured controversy, fires, and extensive renovations while passing through the hands of several owners. The hotel has retained its 19th century look and is a beautiful structure built from native limestone that attracts visitors from around the world to enjoy its rooms, spa, and hospitality. 
But deep within those limestone walls lies a history that has led this hotel to be declared, quote, America's most haunted hotel, end quote. And there it is again, another place claiming to be the most haunted. I say we have cage fights. They can all duke it out and see who's the most haunted. But Diane, I don't like cage fights. I know you like taekwondo, which is a little bit more... Well, I'd hate to say gentle because I've suffered your bruises and been knocked <laughs> on the ground and things of that nature. But we at least don't try to kill each other. Really? People know me. You think they're going to think this sweet, innocent face caused you bumps and bruises? There's a lot of people who have been kicked and punched by you, and they know what I'm talking about. Uh, that bad. Isaac L. Taylor of Missouri was chosen as architect of the Crescent Hotel by Powell Clayton, former governor of Arkansas, and other investors, and then the site in Eureka Springs that covered 27 acres overlooking a valley was dedicated. The area was popular as it was located by the waters of the Ozarks that many people believed had healing qualities. Construction on the Crescent Hotel began in 1884 under a partnership between the Frisco Railroad and the Eureka Springs Improvement Company, a company formed by Clayton. The building was formed from blocks of White River limestone that had to be transported by special wagons. A group of specialists from Ireland had to be brought in to assist with the cutting of the stone because it was so dense and precision was needed with cutting the stone. The walls were built 18 inches thick and no mortar was used. The masons constructed towers, balconies, and a large stone fireplace in the lobby. The leader of the Irish group once told a reporter that he had never encountered such stone in his life. We will cover the significance of limestone when it comes to hauntings a little later. During construction, a worker crashes to his death in what is now room 218. Undeterred, construction continues and opens under the operation of the Eureka Springs Improvement Company in 1886 with a big grand opening gala ball featuring guests of honor, president candidate at the time, James Blaine. Blaine was a well-known politician, having represented Maine in both the Senate and the House, where he served as Speaker of the House from 1869 to 1875 and he twice served as Secretary of State. Blaine lost his bid for president narrowly to Grover Cleveland. The Eureka Springs Time Echo wrote that the hotel would be, quote, featuring large airy rooms, comfortably furnished. The Crescent Hotel offers the visiting vacationer opulence unmatched in convenience and service, end quote. After the grand opening, the Crescent Hotel catered to the upper crust of society and what was deemed as the, quote-unquote, carriage set. People came to enjoy the trails, riding the beautiful horses kept on the property, and to partake in the afternoon tea parties and evening dance parties where the hotel orchestra played. The hotel also offered rides aboard the Tally Ho, their large open coach that was drawn by teams of horses. The latest amenities were a part of the hotel, including Edison lamps, electric bells, heating with steam and open grates, and there was a hydraulic elevator. There were tennis courts, croquet, and a swimming pool. The luxury of running water arrived at the Crescent Hotel in 1900. Winters became a tough time for business, and people had realized that the quote-unquote curative waters were not really all that healing, and they stopped frequenting the hotel. So the Crescent Hotel opened Crescent College and Conservatory for Women in 1908. The college stays in operation until 1934, when the Great Depression forced the closure of both the college and the hotel. In 1937, Dr. Norman Baker bought the hotel. He reopened the Crescent Hotel as a cancer hospital and advertised promises that people would come to the hotel and would leave cured. Dr. Baker claimed that he could bring healing without painful tests or surgery. 
There was a high price for the quote-unquote cure, and many desperate people came to the hospital. What those people were unaware of was that Dr. Baker was no doctor. He'd been convicted in Iowa in 1936 of practicing medicine without a license. Not only was Baker not a doctor, his quote-unquote cure and various elixirs were pure scam. He bilked people out of $4 million before he was arrested for mail fraud in 1940. Baker was sentenced to four years in Leavenworth, which seems like an easy sentence considering that people's deaths may have been quickened because cancer patients gave up conventional medicine for fake elixirs. What a jerk, eh? Total jerk. I just, when I hear stories like that, because it happens in modern times of people preying on, on people's desperation, it just makes me want to, you know, just, I don't know, punch them. I think Leavenworth, even though I've heard that's a very tough prison, was an easy sentence. Yeah, I mean, four years, how many people did he basically kill because they stopped or didn't bother to take whatever conventional medicine was available at that time? And of course, this is back during, you know, basically World War II. So there wasn't a whole lot known about cancer. So it would be easier to bilk these people out of thinking, you know, nowadays you could never tell somebody, here, drink this, it'll cure you, but amazing. Uh, maybe not. I don't know if you've been on Facebook there, but there's a skinny pill that everybody's starting <laughs> to take. So I believe people would just drink this if you gave them a promise of what it would do. You know, that's true. I have seen that as well. And then they put some girl up there that you could tell it's an altered photo, but people will believe anything if it's easy, I guess. Or even if it does work, then they'll have all sorts of mutations later on. The Crescent sat empty until 1946 when four Chicago businessmen bought the building and renovated it trying to match its former glory. In 1967, fire swept through the fourth floor of the South Wing, almost completely destroying it. The hotel continued to switch hands and undergo renovations, but the hotel continued to decline until 1997. Marty and Elise Roenick, and I hope I said that right, it's spelled R-O-E-N-I-G-K, bought the hotel and promised to return the Crescent to its former glory, and they actually accomplished that going even beyond the promise. The couple spent $5 million restoring guest rooms, the landscaping, the electrical and plumbing, lounges, rebuilding the hotel's burned-out skyline, renovating the 3,500-square-foot penthouse and center observation tower, and opening the New Moon Spa with hydrotherapy tubs, sauna, vichy showers, tanning beds, and massage tables. The hotel is open for business with 72 guest rooms and 12 luxury suites you can book today. Before we discuss the long list of haunting experiences, we want to touch on the significance of limestone in regards to supernatural activity. Limestone is a sedimentary rock that is formed from several types of minerals and crystals. Limestone is usually found near water, and water tends to conduct supernatural activity as well as it conducts electricity. And some believe that is the connection with limestone, as well as the idea that minerals and crystals absorb energy. The quartz found in some limestone is an electromagnetic conductor as well, which is why quartz is used in building radios. If limestone does indeed seem to be related to hauntings, then it would most likely be connected to residual hauntings and the absorption of energy. Yeah, I can't tell you how many paranormal investigators I've heard talk about how Either something that's built out of limestone or built on limestone has hauntings, and that's part of the reason why. It's the same thing with water. I've heard that spirits either get trapped because they can't go past water, or obviously we all know water conducts electricity, and a lot of these 
supposed spiritual apparitions need electricity for their energy. So I don't know if there's the connection there or, you know, if limestone's conducting in some way. But there's a story about this city that had a jail that was built out of limestone and a lot of bad stuff, I guess, happened there. And over time, they finally took the jail apart. But the stone is worth a lot, and it's very it's very high quality. That's why they had to bring those Irish stonemasons in, because it's so heavy and such good stone. So they used the used limestone in other buildings throughout the city, and now they think that the hauntings that were going on at the jail are going on all over the city now. So it, I guess it would be the most haunted city. Just like all those other most haunted places. Yeah, so we're going to have to have a cage match between St. Augustine and Savannah. Who else wants to jump in there? I don't know. Let's let's get them all there, even though I still don't like cage fighting. Ghost tours are offered nightly at the Crescent Hotel. People wind through the halls, ending up in the morgue that was once in the hospital. On any night, people may witness apparitions or catch the scent of a bygone odor. Perhaps they may run into Michael, an Irish stonemason. He was the worker that died during construction that we mentioned earlier. The room he died in, room 218, is considered the most haunted location in the hotel. Toilets flush on their own in this room, lights turn on and off, and guests have complained of being awakened in the middle of the night after being touched. Hands have been witnessed coming out of the mirror, and people have heard what sounds like someone falling on the ceiling. Michael was killed when he fell to his death. In the early years of operation, a young girl had fallen over the fourth floor railing and died. During a tour of the hotel, the guide stood on the spot where it's thought that the girl landed and she suddenly felt an intense chill. Two women standing next to her both asked the others in the group, Did you feel that? A man in the group took a picture and supposedly a foggy apparition of a little girl can be seen standing near the three women. The Crystal Dining Room is an elegant room with its own kitchen and apparently its own ghost. A little boy is thought to haunt the kitchen. He moves utensils and other items around. The Crystal Dining Room plays host to several spirits that are usually seen wearing Victorian-era clothing. Many of them dance, and one gentleman sits by the window and tells people he is waiting for a beautiful woman he had met the night before. One Christmas season, the Christmas tree was moved across the dining room along with all the presents underneath it, and several chairs were placed in a circle around the tree. Maybe they should be uh, reading a Christmas carol while they're sitting around that tree. (laughs) Dr. John Freeman Ellis was the in-house doctor at the Crescent in the late 19th century. Dr. Ellis enjoyed smoking his pipe, and to this day, people continue to smell his cherry pipe tobacco. That's interesting, because didn't didn't that also at the Molly Brown house, they smell pipe tobacco? Yes, J.J.'s pipe smoke, and I believe it was cherry pipe tobacco as well. So I don't know if this was something that was more popular at that time, or... If there's something about cherry pipe tobacco that sticks around more, or it's more distinctive, I'm not sure. Not a tobacco connoisseur, but cherry pipe tobacco does seem to be popular back in that time. Anyway, the interesting thing about this is the hotel is a non-smoking hotel in the present era, so any pipe tobacco smell is not coming from the present. A further interest is that whole groups of people will encounter the smell at the same time, and thus it is a shared experience. There is much activity that seems to originate from the time when the hotel was the cancer hospital. And nobody needs to wonder why. I wonder how many people died in that hospital. A nurse has been seen pushing a gurney on the third floor. She disappears when she reaches the end of the hallway. Sometimes no ghost is seen, but the sound of squeaking wheels can be heard. 
The third floor is where the morgue and walk-in freezer were located. Dr. Baker's autopsy table and the freezer are still in the hotel. During tours, people can volunteer to be closed up inside the freezer. Experiences range from nothing happening to icy chills to orbs of light being seen. One young man even had an orb pass through him and he became ill. Dr. Baker himself has been seen in different areas of the hotel, although he died in Florida. You know, that seems really odd. This is the second time because also with the Museum of Oddities up in St. Augustine, there was a spirit haunting there that hadn't died there. So it's funny, this is another one where he went back somewhere to haunt it. Yeah, what I'm kind of thinking is that maybe these people are being punished for their sins. So the guy who killed the two women at the Ripley's Auditorium haunts that place. Maybe they get trapped where they are, and so they're stuck there. Maybe the same thing here with Dr. Baker. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense that it's some sort of punishment that they just have to relive the place where they committed their atrocities. Whether one books a stay at the hotel for the accommodations or for the spirits, they are sure to enjoy the visit. So is the Crescent Hotel host to more than just the living? That is for you to decide. Sounds like a place we definitely need to uh, check out. Not sure we want to check in, though. (laughs) Um, I would agree with that because I would love to see this hotel in person. I will go ahead and announce our next hotel we're going to do is one that I have seen in person that is also a grand hotel. And that's what kind of seeing it. It's the Stanley Hotel. I won't leave you waiting. But um, after being at that hotel and seeing the grandeur of that and um, its haunted stories, it was neat to visit. So that kind of makes me really want to go see the Crescent Hotel as well and just kind of explore the rooms and walk around the grounds. Absolutely. And I know the Stanley's going to be fascinating. And my mother, who's a Colorado historian, will be in studio to share that with us as well. So that'll be fun to have. Basically, we're going to do like a little round table. Mama in the house. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to have her own microphone, too. So I don't know. Look out. <laughs> Could get kind of crazy in here. As we finish up in uh, November, we will have the Queen Mary at the end, and then we go into December. We don't have any plans for any shows yet. So if you want to give us some feedback on a place or person or event that you would like to hear about, please send us your feedback at historygoesbump at gmail.com. Also, if you want to give us any feedback about the show, maybe you want it to be longer, maybe you hate something about it, let us know. We'd love to hear from you guys, and we'd love to share it with everybody else. Absolutely. We we love feedback. We want you to be a part of our, our family here in studio, even if you're not physically here. So let us know. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Here are the answers to the spooktacular quiz. So if you do not want to hear them, turn off the audio now. The answer to number one, the bat, 1959. The plot, a faceless man attacks women and uses steel claws to cut their throats. Answer to number two, United Nations Children's Fund, UNICEF. Unfortunately, some schools wouldn't allow the boxes thinking it would be a commie plot. Number three, Sabrina in 1972. These 20-cent comics can go for upward of $10 now on online auction sites. Four, it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown from 1966. Linus, believer in the Great Pumpkin, has had Sally out all night in the pumpkin patch, and she missed out on trick-or-treating. No wonder she wanted to kill him. (laughs) Number five, the Classics Four in 1967. The song was originally a saxophone instrumental. Number six, to spend the night in a haunted house locked in. 
Number seven, President Dwight Eisenhower in 1954. Also allegedly present were a scientist, Catholic bishop, and a journalist. Number eight, the answer is Gregory Peck and Robert Mitchum in 1962. Peck and Mitchum also appeared in the 1991 remake. I didn't remember seeing them in the remake. I believe Robert Mitchum's the bad guy in that one. Plot, released convict hunts down family of the man who testified against him. Number nine, it's thought to be the most haunted place on earth. Poveglia is a small island near Venice, Italy with a long and eerie history. Crap, we missed that when we went to Venice. I know, and we were even, remember, we saw that one thing that Brandon had posted about the haunted, that haunted, like, asylum place, and I bet you that's where it is. Going back. (laughs) Number 10. Spooky was a 1940s comics cat who always had a bandage on his tail. His owner was the fez-wearing Fenwick Fluky, which made the cat's name Spooky Fluky. 11. He left a trail of Reese's Pieces. And that was in the movie. Do you know what the candy was in the book? M&M's. That is correct. They just couldn't get the deal. So too bad for M&M's, huh? 12. The answer is telekinesis. Think Carrie in Stephen King's novel. Number 13. The 1960s. Thanks to the space program. 14. Kaltiki is a blob that attacks archaeologists at a Mayan dig who attempt to take treasures. That's what you get for stealing. And number 15, a werewolf. In mythology, a person who morphs into a wolf. All right. So how did you guys do? Let us know either on uh, the comments on Facebook underneath where we post the show, or you can email us. Want to know how you guys did. Maybe in the future we'll do some of these contests for actual prizes. We want to thank you for joining us for this show. We look forward to sharing the next show with you. This has been your host, Diane. And Denise. You take care. Bye-bye. Be sociable. Drop the chain rattling, neck biting, and shape shifting, and join us on Facebook and Twitter at History Goes Bump. Like the page and follow us. <laughs>